All right, y'all, we are back after a brief break due to the holidays and Miss Rona. We are back <laughs> in the studio. And if you are listening to this in real time, it's February. And so that means it is Black History Month. And also we are going to be celebrating <clears throat> Valentine's Day this month. And I say Black History Month, but let me, I'm just going to say this. I think that American history is black history. Every day of the year is Black History Day. But this is a special month that we were giving, so I'm going to go ahead and use that special month. <laughs> so this is Eli and Dr. Katrina, and hey, we are hey, hey. up in the studio today to talk about love and language and love languages. But first... Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Very excited about this episode. But before we go there, you know, Black History Month, especially it being in February, the shortest month, I'm not gonna lie, I, I get it. I get I have some feelings that come up with it. You know, first of all, like, we get this short month, but literally black people built this country, like with our intelligence, with our actual physicality, so it's kind of a smack in the face this month, but you know, I'm I'm going to go with it because I do feel like celebrating every day. I want to celebrate black people and this month is a month that more people are aware that like, hey, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is who we be. So, I also in turn want to take just a moment, a moment of silence, you know, for our black ancestors, for the people whose shoulders we have been able to stand on to get here. So let's take a short moment of silence. And while you're in it, you know, do a prayer or check in with your ancestors and just tell them thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for me being me. Today, we're going to talk about love languages. And I don't know if all of you listening or any of you listening are familiar with the five love languages, but they are physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and receiving gifts. So there, there are a lot of quizzes out there available. I took the one at uh, fivelovelanguages.org. And uh, let's I think see, my, it's the number five the, yeah, lovelanguages.com. Yes, you are correct. Thank you, <laughs> <Okay>. Dr. Katrina. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so I took that test, and my scores were, I mean, more or less what I thought they were. I thought that my main, my main uh, love language was going to be quality time, mm. but it turns out, according to the quiz, that it's physical touch with 33 and quality time right behind it with 30, words of affirmation, 23, acts of service, 10, and receiving gifts, three. Have you taken this love languages quiz, Dr. Katrina? I have. I have. And, you know, I was not super surprised by my results. Um, acts of service was my top one. Okay. Um, I love when people just be doing stuff for me that I didn't ask. It's so nice. Thank you for knowing me well enough to know that I would have liked for you to do that. Okay, I'm making <laughs> and, notes. <laughs> and then the next ones for me were physical touch um, and quality time. Um, and then receiving gifts was right under that. And those are those are pretty close because who doesn't like a good gift here and now and you then? You know, I was surprised that my receiving gifts was so low because mm. I do like receiving those random gifts. It's nice. I mean, random gifts especially. 
because that means to me that you were thinking about me at some point when we were not together. Right. And then you got something for me that you thought that I would like. And that's really precious. I I do enjoy that when when my partners or friends or anybody does that for me. Or even yesterday, my daughter, I guess maybe this is more of acts of service. She was ordering, because she does this now, I guess. Uh, (laughs) She ordered herself something from Postmates. (laughs) 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 But, you know, she did ask me if I wanted anything. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And also... I'm concerned that you're just ordering <laughs> McDonald's for yourself, just you're just like old. that. You're too old. Dang. But anyway, so so I, I I I do appreciate those acts of service and the gifts. So let's let's talk a little bit. Well, actually, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say that I I've taken the quiz. Doctor Katrina's taken the quiz. My partner has not taken the quiz yet. Mm, okay. But what she, when I asked her what she, what I, what she thought her love language was, she said acts of service. Mm. And which is funny because just earlier in that week, I'd noticed <laughs> that she had a sheet duct taped up over her window <laughs> because it was a curtain rod and a curtain that she wanted to hang and just hadn't gotten around to it. Gotcha. And I was like, oh man, this is trash. So... <laughs> Let me get this. Yeah, yeah. So, so bruv and I got together and we oh, hung nice. the curtain, and and that was before I knew that acts of service was her love language. And I was like, ah, uh, nice. I, I I nailed it. You know yes, what I mean? You I, did. I, I, did, I did. I did good. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> anyway, so the the love languages that is something. Um, uh, uh, Doctor Gary Chapman developed this. And caveat, though, mm-hmm. just FYI, if you're not. Christian and super religious, the book might throw you off a bit because he bases it on Christianity, but a lot of the info that he has in there is, is still good. That's a good note, Dr. Katrina. And that that's real. Um, so according to him, there are five main love languages. Each person has one primary and one secondary love language. Um, And people, this is based on the idea that people in relationships, and this does not just have to be romantic relationships, let Mm -hmm. me be clear, because on that website, there are, you can take the test if, for like a a child relationship or romantic relationship or a friend relationship. So, so these five love languages are not specific to romantic relationships. And that, that's a key point here, but the the thought behind it is that people in relationships may not give and receive love in the same way, but our yeah. tendency as people, because we only have our points of views to go with, our tendency as people is to treat people the way that we want to be treated. Right. And this is actually this is something, and I, I had this very candid conversation with my daughter actually on the way to dropping her off at school today. I was like, listen. Because her, her mom is ex-wifey. Right. And I was like, I was asking her what her love languages were. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why does any of this matter? <laughs> Uh-oh. I was like, let me break it down. <laughs> okay? Yes. I was like, listen, your mom and I had a lot of friction in the early part of our relationship because we were talking across purposes. We weren't speaking the same love mm-hmm. language. As, you, as I mentioned before, my love languages are physical touch and quality time. Her love languages are uh, acts of service and words of affirmation. Mm. I think 
I think it's actually flipped. Her words of affirmation first, acts of service second. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to tell her I love her in all these ways, like, you know, let's have sex. Let me let me cuddle you. Let me kiss you. Let me like right. let's let's go do something fun together because that is how I felt loved. Right. But because I wasn't giving her the affirmation, and because I wasn't washing the dishes and you know doing the laundry or whatever else, right. she wasn't feeling loved. Yeah. So it's good to know the other person's love language because otherwise it could feel a lot like you are pouring water into a bucket that has a big asshole in the yep. bottom and you're pumping all this energy out and it's not get, it's not netting you anything because at the end of the day the person still feels unloved meanwhile you are draining your battery try, you know spinning in circles trying to tell them in in the ways that you know how mm-hmm. that you love them so yeah. I was like, that's why it matters, you know? And, and and again, you know, hopefully she's not in any romantic relationships right now because she's 12 and daddy <laughs> feels a way about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I was trying to explain to her, I was like, this, this, is, this is something that you can apply to your relationships with us, with your parents, with your friends, right. and in the future, 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 your romantic relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So I, Very I, nice. I think she understood it. So she's she's going to take the love languages test later on today, and then we're going to talk about the results. So that's going to be oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, uh. and it, it's it's really important to try to understand how other people want to be loved. Because, right. like you said, you're just like spinning your wheels if you don't. Right. And why waste that energy putting all of this love out in a way that someone can't receive it? Exactly. You know. So do you want to break it down and talk about what each of these uh, five love languages entail? Yeah, let's do that. Let's start with physical touch, y'all. So, you know, someone who really enjoys physical touch, you know, it it means that, like, they like you touching them. (laughs) Doesn't have to be sexual. It does not in loving ways. Maybe it's, you know, a pat on the booty. Or because that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a hug out of nowhere. Or maybe it's a peck on the cheek, you know, or maybe it's initiating um, sexual contact, whatever it is like that physical touch like is important to that person. Um, so, you know, pay attention. You know, does does your partner like it when you touch them? Well, maybe that's part of their love language. Um, so then the next one we have is quality time. So this is like. You know, you set up a date, you go out, you are eye to eye with this person. You are giving them your undivided attention. They know that in this moment they are special, that quality time. And I think it, a lot of us enjoy being made to feel special in some way. Um, and that, that quality time one can be hard because mm-hmm. the key with the quality time is that it is like that focused attention. You're not on your phone. You're right. not checking the gram. Watching you're TV. Not, you're not checking the the score for the Golden State game, you know, which I have been guilty of. Um, but it, it's that undivided attention. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. Next one, words of affirmation. So, you know, words that you would use to affirm somebody. Compliments, I love you. Hey, I've noticed you've been working really hard on that that thing that you've been working on for yourself. And I see it, you know, I see it 
manifesting, and that's amazing. You know, letting people know that you see them and letting them know through your words, you, like you the bomb, you know? And then we have acts of service. So this is where, you know, you've, you've heard the, the saying, actions speak louder than words. Well, for people who really enjoy acts of service, that's absolutely true. Like you going and folding my laundry because you know I just really hate folding laundry is an act of service and it feels good that you know me well enough to know this thing that you can do to help me, you know, feel good, feel better, whatever. So that's acts of service. And then the last one is receiving gifts. And, you know, it's it's not as simple as like, here's a gift. It's like being thoughtful about the gift. Like, you know that this person likes this thing or, you know, they have always been wanting this thing. And an example of that for me is like um, my um, soon-to-be ex-wife. She has known for probably a good decade that I really wanted a stand mixer, like a KitchenAid stand mixer so I can bake. And a few birthdays ago, she got it for me. And I was just like, First of all, the fact that you, like, even remember that from me talking about it years ago. And second, like, the fact that it's here and it was in my favorite color, purple. I was just like, okay, I see you. I see you. So, you know, that receiving gifts that are thoughtful are even more fun. Right. So I'm going to say two things. One, I'm salty that you have this mixer and there have been no (laughs) cookies, no, not, not a one baked good brought in here. You're right. You're right. I'll be making pound cakes mostly. So I I got you. I see you. The second thing is um, the the gift thing. I just want to point out here that it doesn't have to – it's not something that has to be expensive mm-hmm. to be heartfelt. It just has to be thoughtful. Yep. You know, like Brove for Christmas got me <clears throat> a uh, heated motorcycle jacket, like one that um, ties into my motorcycle battery. Oh, cool. And it wasn't expensive. He got it on like like a, one of those Facebook yeah. um like marketplace marketplace things, things. i mean I, I, he did not cool. spend a lot of money on it but he knew that i wanted to ride in cold weather yeah. more and so he got that Aww. for me and i was really touched what a by sweetie it. pants yeah that's nice yeah that stuff like that stuff right there so those are those are the different love languages that gary chapman has talked about in his book um <clears throat> so now the the que- the next question is how do you know what your love language is you mean outside from taking the quiz outside <laughs> outside of taking the quiz because sure that's the shortcut and yes i i would suggest yeah people take the quiz but i would additionally suggest these following steps and i'm going to uh, I'm suggesting steps beyond just taking the quiz because I think the act of exploring why you have those love languages Mm -hmm. is informative. Agreed. Right? So I would suggest examine your childhood. How as a child did you feel loved? Was it when your Mm -hmm. parents cuddled you and tucked you in at night and told you that they loved you was it when you got that amazing new bike that you'd been wanting was it when they you know I don't know like took you to Disneyland like what were the things from your childhood that made you feel the most loved and and on the flip side of that 
you know, for those of you who haven't had great childhoods and have had parents that have been neglectful or abusive, you can look at what are the things that were missing right. that you felt like would have felt good and helped you feel loved. Yes. That part is key. And I, when, for me, when I was determining what my love languages were, I, I did not take the quiz first. The quiz was the last thing I did. Mm, okay. Right? So what I did first was just that. I, you know, I was looking at my childhood, looking at the thing, the times that I felt really loved, and looking at what was lacking, which, I mean, if my mom is listening, I love you, mom. Okay, this is not no no shots at you, <laughs> but I really did feel um, I didn't get a lot of words of affirmation. Mm. I didn't get a lot of physical touch or quality time. My mom was a young mother who yeah. had just immigrated to this country, was like parenting me out of a place of trauma. So she really was Her. in survival mode. Right, right. And so the the cutesy little I loves you love yous. It's like. Listen, I got up and went to work and you have food on your table. That's I love you. What else do you want? Right. You know what I mean? Like that that was her thing. Yeah. And so she was she was working hard to tell me that she loved me. But I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't seeing it because what I wanted was what I saw in other households where it's like or on TV where everyone was telling you, telling the kids, oh, I love you and going to their soccer games and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, OK, well. Not only is that informative in terms of me and my love language, it's helping me kind of process through some things, mm, right? So, yeah. so discovering what my love languages are was more, a, was more than just what are my love languages. It was the process itself was informative. Right, right. So I would suggest looking at your childhood, looking at the things, the, the ways that you felt loved, and as Dr. Katrina said, looking at the ways that maybe you, you didn't feel loved or, or the things that you felt were lacking, because chances are those are the things that now as an adult, now that you have control, right. you are going to seek those things. That's true. Right? It's, it's real, and I can think about that with my childhood Um my parents were amazing. Like an acts of service is my top now. And it was then. And my mom would work all night. She would, you know, just be super tired from work. But then this woman would get in the car and come to my away basketball games. Mm. She would come to my home games and she knew how important basketball was to me. Wow. And she would be in the stands and it, it felt so good. And I remember later on when I was playing basketball as an adult and I'd be like, why aren't my partners showing up? They don't love me. You know what I mean? And like right. recognizing, oh, shoot. Right. Like, my mama loved me like that, and I and and that and I love acts of service, so yeah. that was appreciated. But then, like, you know, my family's affectionate, but I'm like extra affectionate. And my dad did not really hug; like, it was like, "Here, dad, force hug." You know, like, <laughs> take this hug, daddy. Um, so, but physical physical touches towards the top of my list too. And so that was something. It wasn't like lacking, lacking, but yeah. it was like I was aware yeah. that I wanted more than yeah. I was getting. Absolutely. That, that, that for me is real. And I'm sure that's why physical touch is number one for me because I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like the, the time that I got the most touch from my mother, aside from being like an infant, you know, where I had to be like held was as a young child. So in, in, in West Indian cultures, you don't cut a child's hair 
boy or girl mm-hmm. until they can speak properly. So if you if you know any West Indian children, they're going to have the same memory um, of sitting on the floor in between their mother's legs, getting their hair cornrowed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was that that was the touch that I remember the most gotcha. from childhood. And it was a little pain. It was like, it was not, <laughs> it was not an uncomplicated touch because that was rough. You right, know what I mean? They're right. not, it's nobody's being gentle with your head. Yeah. You know, they're, they're raking that comb through, right. making parts and you better not reach for that comb because you're getting smacked. Right. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so that was the physical, that, that was the bulk of my physical touch as a child and that was i was small you know but then as i got older you know there there were were really no hugs or cuddles or tucking in or anything so i i i felt starved for that for sure Mm -hmm. and i'm very i'm a very affectionate person i will hug and kiss and hold hands with my friends like i it's a romantic partner or not like i'm just like I want nothing more than to be in the cuddle pile, like real talk. Um, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so aside from examining your childhood, I would also suggest ex- examine how you express love, because mm-hmm. that's a big hint in terms of how you you want to receive love, right? Like, yeah. H- how how does that show up for you? I you know, I think that. Most people tend to outwardly show love in ways that feels good to them. Yes. So for me, I definitely show acts of service a lot for my partners and the people that I care for. Like I'll make care packages. I'll. I'll I've lately I've been putting together um, herbal teas depending on what somebody might be struggling with physically or mentally, and they'll throw some candles in there, maybe a bath bomb, you know, and it, a pound it, cake. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> but you know, I'll I'll do something like that because that's something I would appreciate, right? And I think self care is important. And so I definitely have have been one where I would shell out what it is I wanted to receive. But as I started focusing a little bit more on love languages, especially professionally and talking about it with people, you know, I started recognizing, oh, I need to check in more with what's actually wanted here. Like maybe acts of service is definitely something someone likes, but what what else do they need from me and what's more primary and important? Right. Right. Agreed. Uh, And then I'd say the third thing is examine how you've been hurt in the past. And that could be, as Dr. Katrina mentioned earlier, going back to childhood and that parent-child relationship and, you know, whatever you felt was lacking in that. Or it could be past friendships or past relationships. I heard you mention partners not showing up to basketball games. You know, that's a big clue that, you know, maybe you want that quality time and that words of affirmation, like get it, Katrina. You know what I mean? Like maybe you want that encouragement. And so if you look at the ways that other relationships, other partners have disappointed you, A, that's good to examine that. (laughs) And B, it's a pretty good clue of what your love language is. So I did those Three steps, and then I took the quiz. Nice. So based on those three steps, what I thought my love languages were, in, the, in, the, in this order, I thought was quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, 
acts of service and gifts. And I was more or less right. It's just mm -hmm. that physical touch and quality time were flipped, but they're pretty close. I mean, it's, it's physical touch 33 and quality time 30. I was not that far off the mark just from doing my own sort of analysis of mm -hmm. myself and my past relationships. And, and that's the cool thing about the love languages that he's created is that at least it, it gives everybody a structure right. to kind of understand. Because these are certainly not the only ways that you can show love to people. Sure. But the fact that he put it together and he's given, you know, a lot of good examples of what that looks like, I think it has helped people figure out on their own, like with what Eli did, but also with taking the quiz, what what they want love to look like, what feels right. good for them. Right. Um, which is super cool. But then, you know, you move from there to figuring out what your love language is. Let's say you know now, okay? Well, how, how the heck do you communicate your love language to your partner, to your friends, to your family? Right. Right. The the what now? I, I have been this is not this is not a first date question for me, but maybe like a, a third or a fourth date question. I will ask, you know, what do you what do you think about what your love languages are? Like that's mm -hmm. something I want to know early on. Yeah. But if your partner does not ask you, what would you suggest about communicating your love language? Yeah. Or love <clears throat> languages rather. I mean, ask them. <laughs> First of all, like like you said, on a fourth date, I think it's super important because like we said, you don't want to be putting water in a bucket with a hole in it. You know, so how does this person like to be loved? What what do they want to receive? How does it feel when they receive it? You know, and maybe this feels kind of funny, like or funky for some people to have this conversation on like a fourth date. But I also think it's it's kind of weird the way dating works sometimes where people want to stay as far away from like intimate conversations as right. possible, right? which I find weird because I want to know early on, like, what stuff's going to trigger you, how you like to be loved. Like, not I'm not trying to do none of that. a psychologist, though, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> it's true. I don't even I can't even have like small talk conversations anymore. So I guess maybe that's a, a little intense. Um, <laughs> but it is really important to know your love language, figure it out, and then be able to communicate to someone. And I think especially, like, let's say you choose, okay, I acts of service is my love language. Well, don't stop there. What does acts of service look like to you? Like, how can mm. I be sure that I am doing the acts of service that you'll actually take in and enjoy Versus just doing some random ones as I'm trying to figure it out, you know? Right. That's a good point. Yeah, because yeah. even within this, like physical touch, for instance, maybe someone's love language is physical touch, but maybe they don't like public displays of affection, mm. right? So mm -hmm. it, it, it might not be enough to just be like, oh, physical touch or acts of service. You might want to dig a little deeper right. to make sure that you are not going to trigger this person or, you know, you're, you're not you know, talking across purposes or putting water into the empty bucket as it were. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or someone doesn't like to be touched in a certain way or in a certain place. Right. It's right. Like, oh, sorry. Right. So now, this podcast is focused on people in non-traditional relationships. Mm -hmm. That could be folks who are swinging, ethically non-monogamous, polyamorous, what have you. But 
if you are in a non-traditional relationship, it means that you may have more than one partner. And what are the odds <laughs> that all of those partners are going to speak the same love language? What right. do you think the odds of that are, Dr. Katrina? Oh, that, they don't feel great to me. Right. Like so slim to none, <laughs> right? So, so if you are in a, a non-traditional relationship that involves more than one romantic partner, you are going to have to be multilingual. Yes, you are. Right? You ready for that, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> this is part of what makes poly or or ethically non-monogamous relationships or non-traditional relationships both exciting and terrifying, Yeah, right? Because <clears throat> you have this opportunity to become well-versed in multiple love languages at the same time. Mm -hmm. Conversely, you have the, the, the duty to become well-versed in multiple love languages at the same time, right? It, and keep them straight. And keep them straight. <laughs> you know, like, if if Queen Bee really likes words of affirmation and the girl really likes acts of service, let's not mix those two up, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it's not going to be good for you. I mean, not, not to say that people who like acts of service don't also, I mean, you can't, you can also right. do words of affirmation with those folks. It's not, these, these languages aren't exclusive languages. Right. Right? So how do you become fluent in multiple love languages? Yeah. I mean, a part of that is being observant. And it's like tuning in. And and even before you potentially have a conversation with someone about love languages, you can sort of see what stuff feels good to them, like what they respond to. You know, maybe you're using words of affirmation with someone and they just blush and they get giddy and they're just totally like just feeling great about it. Well, that might be a sign there that maybe that's one of their like primary love languages. Yeah. Or on the other end of that, maybe they recoil a bit from something you do. Maybe you're like, oh, quality time, let's do this. And they're like, I need space. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I need you to back up a little bit. That tells you something, right? right. It, it, so you, you have to like tune in to see how the other person like wants to be loved because it's not just about you and how you feel like giving it out. Like if you're loving someone else, you have to be aware of how they want to take that in and how they take it in. Well, you know, it's sort of like, like medicine of the soul, you know, like you need a spoonful of sugar with this cough medicine, or can you take it straight? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I said earlier on that I will typically ask a newer partner. I mean, not if if it's like day three or four, and I feel like, oh, you know, this there might be a love connection there. Then mm -hmm. that's when I'm having these conversations. If it's Her. just like, you know, a jump off, whatever. <laughs> Please leave my house now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so so I will I will just ask, like, you know, what do you know what your love language is? You know, what is it? So there's that conversation, but it typically doesn't mm -hmm. stop there for me. If the relationship continues, the next thing that I do 
you know, once we get a little bit more trust and intimacy built up, the next thing that I do is ask them the same questions that I ask myself, you know? Yeah. Just say, what kind of, like, tell me about, like, a time from your childhood that you felt, like, really special and really loved. Yeah. And, And not only am I getting important data about their love language, I'm getting important data about this person. Right? right. It's like I'm this is I'm 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 creating intimacy or strengthening the intimacy that was already developing by asking these questions and engaging with in this inquiry mm-hmm. with this person. Right. So, you know, maybe you're asking the same person, the person, the same series of questions, you know, that I mentioned before examining your childhood. How do you how do you express love? How have you been hurt in the past? And that that's a dicey one. Maybe you want to wait until date like ten or so for that. That's maybe not a third or fourth date question. But you you know you do want to have an understanding of how has this person been hurt before, so that you know I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to try to avoid doing that. Right. And then you know the other thing which I haven't done yet, and hopefully the girl and I will have an opportunity to do this together at some point soon is to actually just take the quiz and share the results with each other. And that maybe could also be a springboard for some of these other questions. You know, maybe you take the quiz together and then you talk about the results like, oh, so I see that words of affirmation were really big for you. Like how like how has that manifested for you throughout your your life? Like Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that your parents told you to make you feel good? Like you know, just yeah. like it, it's an opportunity to further investigate and get to know your partner. See, and the, and even with the example of words of affirmation, you know, you're talking about the positive. I always move towards the negative. It's Man. just a part of <laughs> my career. But the other side of that is, you know, how what what kinds of things do you have insecurities about that I can help support and boost you on? Right. You know, right. Which right. I think is important. But again, that's not like a fourth date kind of thing. 10th date and on probably because mm-hmm. you right. know you don't want to be sharing all your insecurities up front oh lord jesus no. i mean i might but <laughs> but i know most people don't want to because you want to show your best self right there's plenty of time yeah. for the insecurities uh, to come out right <laughs> so so th- th- those are just some of my suggestions in terms of how to figure out what the love language is and then also use that information to strengthen your relationship. It's not enough just to know like, oh yeah, well, you know, his love language is words of affirmation. And then you don't do anything with that information. It's just like, right. How do you make it? How do you make that information actionable? Mm-hmm. And I would say that just taking the quiz alone does not give you enough information to make it actionable. For sure. There needs to be additional conversations that happen. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, everybody has different assumptions and different ways that they see things. And so just a simple question of like, okay, you know, I see that words of affirmations is your, your top one. Well, what does that look like for you? Right. Right. How is it, how has it looked in the past? What what were, how has it gone sideways in the past? Definitely. Okay. Like, I want to (laughs) know. So the, the next thing, you know, after you have figured out what your love language is, you figured out what the other person's love language is, what happens when the two don't line up? And not only Mm. do they not line up, but maybe 
the other person's love language doesn't feel natural to you. So let's say that your love language is words of affirmation. You're really somebody that is in, you know, in your head. And your partner is, hey, I need physical touch. Your partner's really in their body. And Mm -hmm. maybe you don't feel as comfortable being in your body and expressing love to your partner in the way that, you know, they are saying, hey, this is how, this is what my, my ear is tuned for. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know how to do that. My parents didn't really hug me or I'm from a culture that's very, like, we don't hug. We're not physically demonstrative. Yeah. What then? How do you breach that chasm or do you? Yeah, that's a difficult one. It, it really is up to you. It's like, are you willing to put in the time and effort that it might take to move through that and possibly change and adjust so that you can love this person that's in your life the way that, you know, that feels good for them? And a lot of people are not willing. I don't want to say not able, but I I, I think not willing to change some things that feel a little funky or aren't like like their their first way of responding. So like I say that, so I'm like, okay, you grow up in a family where you don't get a lot of hugs. And so hugs feel weird and you don't think about giving people hugs. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is we're social beings yeah. and our bodies and our hormones and our neurotransmitters pop when we have physical contact with other people. So our bodies naturally want it. And so, but you didn't learn that. And so are you willing to do the things necessary? Maybe a part of that is like, you literally have to put it in your phone. Hug my partner today. Hug my partner today. Maybe you put it in your phone three times, you know, or if it's words of affirmation, maybe you write down a list of all of the affirmations that you would like to give to your partner. And each day or every other day, you text it while you're at, while they're at work or something. You know, like that's putting in the effort. It may not be first nature for you, Mm -hmm. but to get it to be that, if you want to love your partner in the way that that feels good to them, then you actually have to put in the work and you have to do it over and over again and be aware and remind yourself so that you can move forward with that action if you choose to. So it's, it's almost as if you're doing the actions first and then maybe expecting the feelings or doing the actions first and expecting some feeling of comfort to come from that repetition. It's almost as if you're, you're building a new habit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and maybe comfort comes. Yeah. Maybe it, it doesn't, and that's something to talk about later on. But if you want to love this person the way that they receive love best, then, you know, we have to make changes and, and adjust. And like I said, you, you don't have to necessarily but I mean I'm one of the mind of like if I'm loving you like I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking love you and I'm gonna love you the way that you want I want to make sure you're secure and safe and all the things that I can do um now granted when you're in poly relationships or non-monogamous relationships it gets a little harder because you have more than one person possibly that you are trying to show love to and, and give give yourself to. Right. And so then, you know, it may feel like a lot to make some of these changes that I'm describing. It's true. Well, I'm, I, I will tell you, I know we're not, we're past tea time, but still here's some, <laughs> some tea. 
for me, as I mentioned before, my family was, or I shouldn't say my family, my my mother and father were not, well, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to walk that back from my dad because he he really is just a big mushball. But my <laughs> mother in particular was not very physically demonstrative when it came to her love and affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, it took me a long time to feel comfortable being physical uh, being physical with people in a way that wasn't like I'm playing sports mm-hmm. or I'm having sex. Right? Those Heard. Those were, that's how I felt comfortable being physical. Right. And then I had a partner who, she's no longer a partner, um, but I had a partner who was very physical. Mm-hmm. Just, just beyond sexual, but just like always wanting to like hug. And, and at first I was like, oh, this feels weird. Why are you always trying to hug me or <laughs> hold my hand? Like what? Yeah. But. But I, I did that, what you were just talking about. Yeah. I just was like, okay, well, it's obvious that she's really into this. <laughs> so I'm going to try doing it more. Mm-hmm. And also, real talk, I was in my 20s and I wanted to have sex a lot. <laughs> and she was she, she needed all of the non-sexual physical touch right. to even get excited about the sexual physical touch. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I got to figure this shit out. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it, it was, it was through that and, and having to like push myself out of that safety zone enough. And I, I just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it until not only did it become a habit, but I realized I really like this. Hmm. Nice. And so now, you know, beyond that partner, I am a very physically affectionate person. Right on. But I did not start that way. Mm-hmm. I started the opposite of that. If I had taken this love language quiz or done this, this sort of uh, thought exercise mm, about 15 years ago, those results would have been very different. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's changed over time and it was, um, it was intentional. It wasn't just something that happened. Like I yeah. had to push myself to do it. But once I did, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. Now it's my number one love language. I know. How amazing. Yeah. You know, and the thing about the love languages, are these are ways of connecting with people. And so if you find that, you know, you're trying to connect with someone in a way, you know, that, that feels good for them, for their love language, and it feels funky, that's also a time to take a step back and reflect on why it feels funky for you right. to hug somebody or right. to think about someone enough to do something for them that feels good that maybe they would like for you to do. Like right. there's just so many things to think about because this is connecting and people in general, we're social beings and we want to connect. Right. But it is uncomfortable to connect with people sometimes vulnerability comes up, insecurities come up. And so that's a moment if you notice that, oh, this feels funky. Giving love this way feels funky. Take a second and reflect on it. Right. We all need love. Right. And and that's why I say, I I think just taking the quiz is a shortcut that's not Mm -hmm. going to get you as much as doing that whole thought exercise. 
okay, well, not only is gifts my lowest, but why is that? You know what I mean? Like right. what? And and I could tell you right now. Again, mother, if you're listening, I love you. I really do. But there was this <laughs> one Christmas, and I was eight years old, and I wake up, and there's a Christmas tree, and there are all these beautifully wrapped boxes mm-hmm. under the tree, and I open the first box, and it's empty. Oh, I open the second box, and it's empty. Third, fourth, fifth. All oh of the boxes under the tree are empty, yo. I got nothing that Christmas. And, for, and I, I've asked my mom, like, later as an adult, like, was I bad that year? Or were we, like, really yeah. broke? Like, what happened? She was like, I just thought it would be funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, that just broke That's my little eight-year-old heart. Terrible. And, 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 and <laughs> from, from that point on, my, like, whole thing about gift giving has been just funky. Aww. I'm just like... I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could trust this. Like, <laughs> do I even want to open this box? I want you to know that those re- the rest of the boxes that I didn't open, she kept. And then every year after that, she tried to get me to open the boxes. No, there, there's a gift in that one. You just have to open it. Uh, like, you messing with my emotions. Oh, my I goodness gracious. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah, we've already had words about that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that, that thought exercise led me to that event, yeah. you know, and, and, and hopefully it could lead me past that event. And so I can have a better, yeah. <laughs> a better relationship with gift giving. I'm trying, I'm trying really Aww. hard, but yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, that's so, it's so interesting just hearing you talk about the gift giving and the physical touch and how, you know, over time you've had to like adjust and, and you've put in the work to, to figure it out and process it. But, like, just FYI, people, like, when we are trying to create a new behavior within us, you know, you're creating a new neural pathway in your brain. And it takes mm, five to, like, 8,000 times of doing something for your body to check in and make it a little bit more automatic. Mm, So I don't want you to think, oh, you know, I've been doing this for two weeks and I should be good. Why Why doesn't this feel different? It's because you need to keep doing it. <laughs> real talk. Real talk. And I, I, I will second that from just what I stated earlier in terms of my personal experience working through um, my love language. And I, I talked about that earlier in terms of attachment styles. Mm-hmm. You know, getting from a very insecure attachment style to a secure attachment style. And that's right. just something that has to just – you have to consciously repeat it until – you don't have to consciously anymore. And exactly. it's just, it's, it's a habit. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> love languages, it's love and it's languages. And we've talked a lot about the love part, but now I want to dig a little bit into the language bit. Okay. All right. And, and this is, we're going to build on this a portion of the conversation a little bit more in our next episode where we're, where we talk about, uh, it's going to be more about intersectionality mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about blackness, queerness, masculinity, polyamory, yeah. and just how it all mushes together. But for today as a primer, we're going to talk about, about language. And I watched this wonderful documentary 
a couple days ago. And if anybody out there has uh, Amazon, it's streaming on Amazon, and it's uh, it's master it's a it's a master class on blackness essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornell West. I saw Angela- that. Okay, yeah. so. So there was a masterclass by um, a Mr. McWhorton, I'm forgetting his first name right now, who is a black linguist. Hmm. And I mean, you know, he, he might have some political views that other people uh, disagree with. But what he has to say about blackness and linguistics, I thought, was spot on. And he basically broke it down as follows. And I'm paraphrasing. This is this is not a direct quote from the brother, but he explained that our ancestors and and for those of you who do not know, both Katrina and I are black, and our senior producer Chris is also black. So every everyone involved in this project um, to this point has been a person of color. Blackity black 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 as fuck. So <laughs> um, he he broke it down as follows: Our ancestors were taken from various African countries with their own languages mm-hmm. were brought here and had to, and other places in the Americas and in the, in the Caribbean, which is where my family's from, the West Indies, um, and had to learn English as adults under duress from other adults who also probably didn't speak quote unquote standard English. Mm-hmm. And what we have as a result is this linguistic triumph right mm. and I, I don't know if if any any folks are familiar with the ebonics debate that happened back in the mid to late 90s yeah. where you know school uh, i was living in oakland at the time actually it was the oakland unified school district that was looking at teaching ebonics hmm. or using ebonics in the classroom yeah. with the understanding that at the time of course the demographics of Oakland has changed since yeah. but at the time it was a chocolate city and so they were mm-hmm. dealing with um you know children brown black and brown children and so they were looking at okay can we conduct our our uh, educational instruction in this language that the majority of the kids are speaking Mm-hmm. Right. There were Senate hearings. It was a whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes girl. <laughs> Senate hearings. Um, and, you know, of course, all these old white, white haired senators were like, this is an abomination of the English language. Uh, it's just it's crass. It's cursing. And it's like, well, oh you're my gosh, I'm rolling my Se- eyes. Y'all. Senator Graham, you're you're missing the point, bro. Like <laughs> y'all curse, too. <laughs> Where do you think we learned the curse words from? Right. Thank you. Anyway, so. So what McWhorton was challenging was that assumption that it is somehow a bastardization or we're somehow ruining the English language. And he gave this wonderful example. And I I think I used it when at the the outset of the show, I said, Dr. Katrina and I are up in the studio. Those two words up in, they're not necessary. I could just (laughs) have easily have said, Dr. Katrina and I are in the studio today. <laughs> you know, but but I said up in, and it was intentional. Up in connotes joy, yep. connotes pleasure. We hear y'all. You know, I'm, I was laying up in the bed with my girl. 
I'm up in the studio with Dr. Katrina. I wouldn't say I was up in the dentist's office because I don't want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right? right. So it's it it's it black English is an English that is not broken. If anything, it's efficient. Right? <laughs> like, he my man. You know what I'm saying. Right. Do we need the verb? Right. That's no. my boo. I mean, you don't need the verb. You understand. And so to further complicate things, as I said, I'm West Indian. So mm-hmm. there is a whole other patois for that. And that mm. is an amalgamation of, at least it, 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 it will change depending on what island you're from. My family, half is from Trinidad. My dad is from Jamaica. So from the Trinidadian side, mm-hmm. the patois is French, Spanish, Hindi and English. Hmm. You're going to have mixes of all of those languages yeah. just kind of smushed into one thing. And we, there, even though they're different languages, it's based on different languages, there are common threads throughout. I can look at the patois that I grew up speaking and look at the, you know, sort of American black English, mm-hmm. the words are different. A lot of the syntax is the same, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're dropping the last like vowel. So if, 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 we're, if we're chilling, we're not chilling, we're chilling. Right. And in Trinidadian Patois, it would be, it wouldn't be liming, it's limin. Right. Mm -hmm. Different words. Yeah. Same structure. We're dropping that G. It's not necessary. You know, a lot of times we're dropping verbs. Um, So if I wanted to call you darling. I I would drop the G and drop the R. Yeah. And I've been learning a little bit more about this because. My partner's Jamaican, and right. I went to Jamaican with her right. and saw her with her cousin. Right. Oh, and they, he, they're yeah. like Wagwan, and I was yeah, like, Wagwan. Huh? Yeah, it's uh, like what's, what's going, going on? on? Exactly. But you understand? Exactly. You've dropped several letters, <laughs> yeah, and the verb in that sentence, but the understanding is still there. Mm-hmm. So, here's the rub: we're talking love languages, but what happens when? You and your partner aren't speaking the same language. And I mean, it, it's, if, if you folks are, uh, out there are familiar with code switching, that's sort of what I'm talking about. So, and, and it happened even just today, you know, it happens every time we're in the studio together, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Katrina and I and Chris will be talking and it's just, just black speak. <laughs> and then... We sit down in front of the microphones and we switch it up a little bit, right? Because we are trying to make this palatable for people who aren't black, right? Yeah. But when we are just amongst ourselves, we don't have to, we don't have to take that extra step, right? We are just, I, I, I feel free to talk to her. However, my inner monologue or dialogue, it, it, it's consistent with what is happening in my head. When I am talking to people who are not black, I am switching my inner monologue and my inner dialogue. Yeah, through a filter. Through a filter to make it understandable and palatable for that other person. And for me, I don't know how this works for you, Dr. Katrina, but for me, anytime I have to filter, 
that filter creates a distance. Definitely. And so if you and your partner are from different cultures, Mm -hmm. you might be speaking the same love language, but you might not be speaking the same language. Yep. Like your, your, your love languages may not manifest the same way because of that, that cultural difference, what, you know, what you have to right. sort of breed, you know, cross to, to reach that person and, and meet that common ground. Mm-hmm. So my, my ex-wifey, she's Caucasian. My um, queen bee, she, child of immigrants as I, as I am, my current partner, also, you know, West Indian as I am. And so I can tell her, you know, we'll be, we'll be getting ready to go somewhere. I'll be meeting her somewhere and I'll say soon come. And she knows good and well, because she's also West Indian, that that means I am nowhere close. (laughs) She might as well just take off her shoes and go have a drink. You know what I'm saying? But if I say that to someone who's Caucasian, they're going to be waiting at the door with their purse. Talk about why were you late? (laughs) I said soon come. You know what I mean? That means anywhere from a half an hour to an hour from now. Relax yourself, you know? (laughs) But so it, it, it felt it feels really good to me when I'm able to just say those things to her and not have to go through the step of like translating in my mind. And then, like, spitting out the palatable thing for her. So I'm, I'm really interested in exploring not just love languages and intimacy, but language mm-hmm. and intimacy. You know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I often, often say this when I'm in couples therapy with people. It's like when you have someone coming together who speaks German with someone who's coming together who speaks Spanish— you're going to have some miscommunications and some issues that come up. And so what's the solution there? You have to learn each other's languages. Right. And you have to communicate and be clear and be willing to understand, to check yourself when necessary, to check your insecurities. Because insecurities are going to come up when you don't know something right. and when you're learning. Right. And it's really important to pay attention, to observe, and to be open to loving someone in the way they want to be loved. I'm going to add something, not mm-hmm. to take a leaf out of your book in terms of the negative side. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to, you said something about it's easy to feel insecure when you don't know something. Mm-hmm. So, so to the ex-wifey situation, like when we were with my family and they start talking fast in Patois and she doesn't understand yeah. what, you know, what they're saying, I can see her feeling insecure. But the thing is, I also felt insecure. In those moments, Mm -hmm. because I felt like and and this is. I'm just going to put myself out there and just say that it is because of that internalized racism. Right. It's 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 the it's because I've been hearing the Lindsey Graham's of the world saying, oh, yeah, that language is is a bastardization. That language Mm. isn't proper. That language isn't good. Yeah. And so. That's why we code switch. Right. I mean, aside from like making sure that we're understood, it's that feeling that like my what I have to offer is not good enough. I have to change it to make it okay for you. Mm -hmm. So so when we were in those family situations and my family's talking fast and dropping whole words from sentences (laughs) and, you know, I could see the confused look on her face. There was a part of me that was just like, oh. 
<laughs> you right, know, just like right. I feel I feel weird. You know, I feel very exposed and like misunderstood and insecure in this moment. Right. Heard. So and that, you know, that's the other side of it. So I, I this is all keying up for, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about interracial dating a, a bit in this next episode. Mm-hmm. So this is just like teeing up for that conversation. Food for thought in the meantime. Right on. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so, so we, we've hit that time we where we amplify. Time. All right. You ready for this? Pump it up. Oh no! I was gonna let you. Oh, let me? you let right, you cool, have cool, it. Cool, yeah, cool. yeah. All what right. you got for us? What you got? <laughs> so, it's Black History Month and Valentine's Day, and we're all about Black love. And Black love, according to Cornell West, is all embracing. And Black love is also making beauty out of pain. And today I would like to amplify a local artist here in Seattle who does just that. A beautiful, beautiful human. Um, Their name is Randy Ford. No connection, no relation to me as far as I'm concerned. We have the same (laughs) last name, but as far as I know, we're not family. We're family, but we're not family, family. So Randy is a Seattle-born creative dancer, choreographer, actor, activist, curator, educator. Um, She's been featured in Bumper Shoot Festival, Danny Terrell's Black Boys. Which was bomb. Yes, it was. I see. We've probably been at the same events. Yep. Um, uh, Jingle All the Gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She created and co-produced her first full-length evening show, Queen Street, at Langston Hughes Performing Arts here in September um, of 2019. And Randy is just... An amazing, amazing person, a, a trans artist of color, um, worthy of support. Super sweet. Super sweet. Such a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we encourage you to check out her work. Uh, her website is therandyford.com. Uh, she's also on IG and Twitter as randybaby11. And, you know. Just uh, check out check out their work, support their efforts, and uh, we'll see you next time. For we're actually going to have our first guest host next week. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, LB is going to be uh, in the in the studio, and uh, they are a performing artist and scholar out of Portland. And as I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about blackness, queerness. Ethical non-monogamy, masculinity, just all of the things. Did I say masculinity twice? No, I think you only said okay. it once. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, going to be fun, though. It's going to be forward. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you join us for that episode and the rest of our episodes. Um, we're also going to have a guest host in here talking about kink and blackness and ethical non-monogamy. So that's also going to be fun. We're going to get turned up. Yeah. That episode for real, for real. So in the meantime, y'all, keep on living and loving in color. Peace and blessings.